Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, people. Welcome to the No Bullshit Guide to Life with me, Bangs, in London town. And me, Lamara, in New York City. What's up? What's up, people? Hey, how's it going? You Um, good? I'm you great. Good? I'm fabulous and I'm also wonderful. How are you? Well, look at you over there. <laughs> I'm good. Slightly tired, but still slaying. How about that? Someone was partying until 2.30am, allegedly. Allegedly. I mean, if you call partying, um, drinking cups of tea in the corner and, you know, shacking out to Fetty Wap, then I was partying. Funnily enough, that is my exact definition of partying. (laughs) Give me an Earl Grey and some Fetty Wap and I'm good to go. Mate, what do you need? What do you need more than that in this world? Nothing more than that. Clear a bit of space for me to boogie and I'm good. (laughs) That was all me, people. Yeah, I'm good over here. I'm good. New York party vibes. It's all right. All right, well, let's let's dive in. What are you going to call bullshit on in our first segment of the day, Lamara? (sighs) Bangs. I feel like I've been calling bullshit on this since since the moment it was incepted and brought into this world. This week, Bangs, like a serious pressure point. Right. I call bullshit on Apple iPhone phone charging wires. Oh shit, tell them, tell them. <sighs> I'm so vexed. The whole, like, where do I even begin? I call bullshit for the simple fact that they don't work. They expire in the shortest amount of time, they're not ergonomically friendly. They don't serve no purpose. They don't charge. They're, never, they're not cheap. All of the rubbish that comes with this product, this is the lifeline to my phone, people. The lifeline to my phone. And if that doesn't work, then what do I do? I'm going to go out through. on a limb here and say that it broke this week. <laughs> it, it, it didn't break, Bangs. It didn't, like, break. It failed in the most awesome of fashions. Like, slowly by slowly, the, the cable has started to reveal itself. This little plastic flailing has happened. Then all of, like, this, this inner wire has popped out. And then to the point where, like, I put it in the socket and it cut out all of the stuff in my room. Wow. It failed. It <laughs> oh, failed. that's now, this, next level. <laughs> now, side note, this may be a note to how, like, I should have got this fixed a long time ago, but I want a product that lasts and they never last and they're not cheap. So I always continually find myself in the Apple store buying wires upon wires upon wires upon wires. So this week I supremely call bullshit on Apple iPhone charging wires for the very nature that they're shit. Well, I'm just, my main thing with those charges is who are you making it for? Because that cord... What doesn't extend long enough to even get the phone on a tabletop? Like, what? Who are you making it for? Where am I supposed to put my phone when it's charging? I don't. That is my main bugbear. With they're dead. They're dead. They're dead. For the most technology advanced company in the work, your wires are dead, fam. (laughs) Fix up. (laughs) Nah. (laughs) When you write the complaint letter, I think that should be the exact terminology you use. Listen, and I'll at them as well. What? 
right. Well, that's, I mean, it's a fair point. I, I think you're yeah. right to call bullshit on that. Thank you very much. Mm. And what, wait, Bangs, what are you calling bullshit on this week? Oh, mate, are you sitting comfortably? Hold on. Now I am. All right. Um, I am calling bullshit on Jeremy Hunt, who is the Minister of Health, Health Secretary here in the UK. Um, oh, man. Okay. So I'm just... Go in. Go I'm, ju- in. I'm going to have to go, go in because I'm so upset. So um, Jeremy Hunt over the past couple of weeks has now imposed these really shitty new contracts on junior doctors. And if you're not outraged about it, you should be. Um, this has been, if you live outside of the UK or if you're in the UK and you don't know what I'm talking about, you should probably pay attention because it's important. Um, this whole thing stems from Jeremy Hunt reading a report that cited, um, some statistics that said that the mortality rates in hospitals were higher on the weekends. So this has sparked a lot of rhetoric from Jeremy Hunt about us having a quote unquote seven day NHS, which he wants to implement. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But as anybody here can tell you, we already have that. Um, But let me move on. Um, No new facts, people. No new facts. mm, So essentially, this new contract that he's imposing changes um, the regular working hours for junior doctors so that Saturdays are now included as a regular working day. Um, Mm. When the day comes that we see MPs working on a Saturday, then they can maybe talk some shit about it. But as of right now... Uh, We're not seeing that. So (laughs) regular working hours for junior doctors right now are from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Monday to Friday, where they get a standard rate of pay. Anything outside of that uh, is classed as a premium pay rate. Okay, so essentially what Jeremy Hunt has imposed now with these new contracts is that it increases the standard working hours where you would get mm-hmm. paid the standard working time from 60 hours to 90 hours. Okay. Um, so the number of hours that are then up for premium pay rates is drastically reduced. Um, he's tried to kind of offset this and butter it up by saying that he's giving junior doctors a pay rise on their standard pay rate of somewhere between 11 and 13%. I'm not sure what the figure landed at, um, on their basic salary, their basic salary, which by the way, is 23,000 British pounds sterling, which junior doctors, correct me if I'm wrong, study anywhere from, I believe six to eight years before they, they get going. So for your starting salary to be 23K is outrageous beyond belief to begin with. Um, my, my friend, a good friend of mine is a junior doctor. And the last time I saw her, she had worked an 87 hour week. Okay. So obviously a lot of those hours fall outside of what would be quote unquote standard time pay and into the premium pay grade with this new deal. Essentially when you do the maths, um, and she has done it, she's a junior doctor who it directly affects. Um, essentially she's going to end up working those same hours and come out with about a third less pay. And that's when you factor in this quote-unquote pay rise that he's giving the the junior doctors. So I'm calling bullshit on him for imposing these contracts, um, despite the fact that the information he's basing it off, this one study that he read, has been debunked by numerous people, high-ranking people in the British Medical Association and other people who work within this industry, which clearly Jeremy Hunt does not. And many people have dis, um, just completely debunked this report and said that there's, uh, the statistics have been manipulated. It's not a true re- um, reflection of what's actually going on in the NHS. He's ignored all of that. 
and basically impose these new contracts. And it's just another step towards privatizing the NHS. I think it has really terrible implications for junior doctors, for patient care, for the NHS as a whole. And this this government is just determined to (laughs) sell off the NHS to the highest bidder. And before you know it, we're going to have a system where you have to pay for your healthcare, like in the States, which I find, frankly, terrifying. And Mate, I'm just don't even get me started. I am disgusted by a government that is acting like a dictatorship on an issue that has so much opposition from so many people. And I think a government that isn't dedicated to the health and well-being of its citizens through the provision of a free healthcare service is disgraceful. I'm sorry. <laughs> I really do. I really do. I just Thanks think Prime Minister. Well, I'll concur. I just call bullshit on the entire Conservative government to be Also quite that. Honest. Also that. You know. I'd also like to call bullshit on people who were giving junior doctors shit for striking mm. in the first place and saying things like, if they don't like it, they can just get another job. Please shut the fuck up. Please. <laughs> Please shut up and go and read something. If you do not know what you're talking about and you do not know what the issue is, shut up before you make these ridiculous and narrow-minded and insulting statements. Oh, they can just go get another job, can they? After studying for six to eight years. If they don't, oh, if you don't like it, just go get another job. This isn't a job, it's a vocation, okay? Mm. And one that we all need. Listen, give junior doctors whatever they want. Up their money and give them whatever they want. Junior doctors, regular doctors, GPs, everybody. Like, this notion, oh, if they don't like it, they can just get a job somewhere else. All right, cool. Well, let's play that out then. So when your child gets sick and you go to hospital and there's no doctors there because they've all gone and moved to Australia because why in the fuck not? Because you get a way better deal there. What are you going to do with your sick child? And then you have to pay for the healthcare, And you're going to be the first one complaining about the that. The first one complaining. So, the first one to criticise is always the first one to complain, Banks. So shut your noise before you come out with these stupid things about, oh, if they don't like it, they can go, oh, they shouldn't strike, they shouldn't strike, they shouldn't strike. If, listen, if your job was under attack like that, you'd be the first person to say something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and you're probably working at, you know, some retail job that has no consequence anywhere no no disrespect but you know what i'm saying we're talking about junior doctors here it's an important profession like they have every right to strike and i absolutely would as well if my job was under threat like that so i call bullshit on that and i'm sorry that i went on for a long time there but it's an important issue and it really irritated me no educate the people then i'm just gonna take some medication for my blood pressure now excuse me (laughs) (sighs) yeah no i I agree with you 100% there, Banks. I agree with you 100%. Thanks. I'm glad I got that off my chest. I feel a lot better. Feel good? Um, Well, I'll get there. But I just, on a serious note, I really hope that there can be some kind of redress over this. I just can't believe that, you know, literally over 50,000 junior doctors went on strike for, there were like, I think two or three strike days over the past couple of months. Over 50,000 of them took to the streets. And and that is literally, I believe, I read somewhere, that is only the second time in NHS history that that has happened, Mm. that doctors have gone on strike. So you know that this is a bullshit deal that they're getting. And for Jeremy Hunt to just turn around and ignore all of that, just flat out ignore it and say, no, no, I'm going to go ahead with it anyway, is just beggar's belief to me. It's so upsetting. I just, I am so worried about the state that this country is going to be in, not even just related to the junior doctor situation, but just if that's the approach, like, oh yeah, cool. I'll just, yeah. Okay, cool. Everybody's giving me this advice that this is a bad idea. Cool. Everybody's told me that this report that I'm citing is bullshit. Cool. All right. Yeah. All these junior doctors going on strike. Cool. 
yeah, nah, actually, we're just going to do it my way. What a ridiculous response. So indicative of the Tories, though. So <sighs> indicative of the Tories. I'm thinking back to when it was tuition fees and education and all types of reform that they seem to be pushing through to just simply drain and change the country into being something extremely elitist. Mm. Um, <sighs> well, it's all right for all of them, of course. They spend their evenings just removing the silver spoons from their asses, oh, yeah. so... Excuse me, sorry. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, let's move on. So, this week, guys, is is that, you know, for a few things that's going on to your last point and then just general pop cultural rap history right now, this week, guys, our No BS Guide to Life episode is a good one. I'm so it's excited. What, I'm really excited about this because I feel like gems I could learn, gems that everyone could learn from, and something that's really important and poignant right now. This week, guys, we're talking about fixing up your finances. Woof. Fixing up your finances. Insert all the little Kevin Hart hand claps in between my little pauses throughout that. We're talking money. Money, we're money, talking money, money, money. Bills, bills, money. bills. All of that. Yeah. yeah. Dive in. Where do you want to start? It's quite, I mean, it's quite an intense issue. It's, it's a big one. It's a big one. I think coincidentally like there's a i don't know banks if you've heard of this little uh poet slash philosopher from chicago his name's uh kanye omari west have you ever you ever partaken in any of his, his music his music um so it's really interesting because man like kanye basically came out on twitter on a begging thing and was like basically i'm 53 million in debt to everyone's shock maybe not shock but everyone was like raw how are you in debt? How have you not got your finances out? And it's this careful line of balancing like materialism and aesthetics and then being in a, in a very in an industry that kind of drains you of all your natural assets anyway. But if man like Kanye can be 50 million in debt, I think everyone needs to kind of like check their own pocketbooks and their checking and their savings and understand what the hell is going on in their accounts. But to a larger point of just like, what is going on with your finances, people? When is the last time you actually put a little money to the side? When is the last time that like, you started spending within your means when you didn't really chase that thing over there, when you didn't really want that thing over there and you were actually saving now for the future you want? Wow. Oh, this is quite an issue. I think the, the thing that immediately came to mind for me when we were discussing, talking about this issue, is that especially at our generation, millennials, uh, essentially, we we weren't raised really to think about the future in that sense, not the way that generations before us were. And so we all, like pretty much everybody I know, I know I sure as hell do. Everybody has this kind of bury your head in the sand type approach to it and think, well, you know, it's really scary to think about the future and savings and pension plans and all of these things. So I think a lot of our generation have just kind of said, well, uh, fuck it, I'm just going to go on holiday and, you know, live my life um, and not worry about it. And nobody's talking about it. You know, we're oh. just watching everybody's great lives on Instagram with their holidays and that, but nobody's posting the credit card bill afterwards, you know. Um, so we're, we're ending up with this really distorted view of what life is like. I mean, God help us, if we don't, as a generation, get our shit together sometime soon, the hell is are our later years going to look like if we're not starting to think about these things now 
Um, and I, I, not, not even just on a, um, you know, a savings and pension plan type track of thought, but even just how are you budgeting now? Like, how are you spending your money now on a day to day? I think this is it's it's an awkward and uncomfortable conversation. Money. I don't like talking about it. Not many people do. But you can't bury your head in the sand. You've got to address it and confront it. Well, you're talking to that person that continually, I think, for at least at least the past like four, four and a half years, shit, even before that has buried their head in the sand when it comes to money. Thinking of it of this thing, of course, this entity, something that entity, sorry, something that is really real, but not caring too much about it to think like, oh Lamar, you know what, Lamara? You should actually just just save a little. Don't don't go out and blow your whole paycheck at once, you know. Don't go over there and do that. Don't go over there and that. So I think in one sense, we do chase experiences and I don't begrudge anyone for doing that. But it also comes from a sense of like, we weren't, I, I was and I wasn't taught to value money very much. And what I mean by value money is that I know it has a significant importance, but what to do with it? There's certain things I think post uni, in uni, a bit in the lead up to uni, where you don't understand the terminology around it. Right. So if someone was to come and explain to me, say, you know, Lamar, in about this amount of years time, you're going to start thinking about a mortgage. I'd be like, a more what? Mm. Who? Mortician. Yeah. Oh, yeah. OK. And, you know, Lamar, <laughs> you think that's called an ISA. I, I what? Yeah. Percentage rates on this. Loans, overdrafts. There's terminology that we I've never had to really consider that having an effect to me. And now it is. Now, this is the thing that irritates me, I have to say. Um, in terms of education, this is something mm-hmm. we're never taught. We're not taught it really in high, or at least not when I was in school. We were not taught it in school. We're not taught it in university. There should just be a basic, I reckon, like how to be an adult course. Because all of a sudden you graduate uni and you're just expected to know about how to pay rent, you know, how to pay your bills. Who, which um, companies do you contact about your gas and your electric and this and that and the third? And what is a good deal and what isn't? And like you say, ISAs and mortgages and all of these things. You're just expected to know. You're expected. And I think, you know, some people might call bullshit on how I'm explaining this. It's like, Lamara, is that not common sense? No, No, it is not. It's not. (laughs) If you have, like me, an irrational fear when it comes to assessing pounds and pence Mm. and actually doing something smart with my money, no, you don't want to listen to it. I literally put my fingers in my ears and I'm like, la, 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 la. Man don't care about all that. Never have until now. And it's funny because, you know, you're preaching to the choir and that a few of my goals this year, of one of them which stands out, is financial stability. Because I'm fed up of, to be honest, feeling like a freaking pauper. Like, that's not, a, that, that's, that's not happy, a happy feeling for me. That's not a sense of pride for me, knowing that you're literally looking at your bank. It's not payday, yo. It's pay hour. Yeah? Mm. That money doesn't last. So knowing that I want to achieve, like a bit more confidence and take a bit more ownership. And actually what it really boils down to is being a bit more of a freaking adult with my finances. Absolutely. That's a huge priority for me in 2016 because I've neglected it until now. And it's very, very, very easy to do that. Like I said, on the one hand, there's the terminology behind it, but it's actually just like taking your head out of the the sand, taking your fingers out of your ears and being like, right, what? do I need to do? 
where do I go? What is this thing I'm saving for? What is this vision that I have of what I need to be financially stable and solvent and talking to someone about that? I think another thing behind that is we don't talk about it Mm. at all, you know? No. It's like we rather, it's one of those things people hear the word money and they equate it with like kind of like talking about sex in public. Like, oh, no. Don't yeah. oh don't ask me how much I earn. Oh, yeah. do you save? Oh no, don't don't talk about all these things. But we do, we do, because more often than not, I found with a lot of these big topics, right, is that we're all thinking about them, but we're not talking about them. Now, if there's a method that I may have or something that I'm doing, I should I should, as a good friend, share it with you. You know, of course, not to make you feel shit, but to be like, you know what? This is what I do. No, like, it's just cluing people in to like something that's working for you. I don't think that's uh, rubbing anybody's face in anything. I think that's just, as you said, being smart. You know, these are the things that we do need to have actual conversations about. I mean, like, listen, I've never had money. I had my whole 20s were just disgraceful, to be honest with you. And, and really, actually, up, let me be real. Up until like last year, I'm 34. And up until last year, the struggle and I know this is a very popular thing to say right now that the struggle is real, but I'm being serious, extremely real. Um, I've been as close to homeless as you can get, believe you me. I've had literally no money in my account. I've been freelance for a time. I had one month in 2013 where I earned 200 and 200 pounds in one month, like, um, which, you know, when we're talking in hundreds oh yeah that's yeah that's not bad but when you live in London are you kidding me 200 pounds in a month and if you listen if you're not budgeting your money if you don't have some kind of stable income coming in that is stress I've had most of my stress in life has been induced by money lack of it thinking about it needing it wanting it hating it and everything surrounding it you know yes um and I think I just want to touch on I mean you know and it was an extremely frustrating uh point when you're living through it it's awful and it's depressing and it's so worrisome and I mean having said that though I'm I'm surrounded by you know women who are successful and who have jobs and regular full-time jobs and all of that but yet still when it comes to you know a girl's night out and we're going out for dinner there's always a couple people who can't come because they don't have that 20 quid to do it and I, it makes me think like you know everyone I know right now are all you know late 20s early 30s what the fuck are we doing where we don't have a spare 20 quid like no shade to anybody but we have got to get our shit together and I just I mean obviously this listen this goes for everybody across the board however I think if I may just speak specifically to women for a second we need to be realistic and acknowledge the fact that we are fighting against literally centuries of the societal norm being that we were excluded from conversations surrounding finances, especially in the home. And so we're playing catch up really. And even now, I think for women in the home, uh, say if you know, you're um, in a traditional family, um, you might be the chief bill payer in your house. You might even mm-hmm. be the breadwinner as the woman in your house. But I think that we still tend to hand off the larger financial decisions that have to do with wealth and security to the men. And, I, and we have to involve ourselves in those conversations. And I think, as it, just going back to what you were saying before, I think a lot of it comes down to lack of confidence um, 
especially if you don't have any money, it's really hard to think about money. It just stresses you out even more. Um, as you said, I think that the language and terminology surrounding it can really be a barrier. And it's up to us to educate ourselves on that. We can't just bury our heads in the sand and think that it's just going to resolve itself and not for nothing. But ladies, we cannot think that there's going to be some knight in shining armor who's going to come and solve it all for us. That's bullshit. Not in 2016, there ain't. That's not going to happen. We have to handle it for ourselves. It's up to us to learn about it. And and props to like, I, I'm I'm glad we're talking about across gender lines because it, it's one of the most, it's how I see it more clearly, right? Um, let's not ever miss out those people that are women who are badass and are entrepreneurs and are Completely. their own bosses and are killing it. You know, and, and have a total it. handle on it. Absolutely. And have a total handle on it. Props to you. Share your tips with me, first of Please. all, people. Let's create that conversation amongst ourselves. But what I've observed of in, in my, you know, I'm putting air quotes around this, my working career so far, it stems also for, like, women not knowing their worth, I think, in business. Absolutely. And it's, uh, it's actually, it's, it's really interesting. It's really fascinating in that if you think of how we're talking about, you know, women as breadwinners now, right? And kind of stripping back the patriarchy that comes, um, that has been established in the home of who's going to deal with the bills, who's going to talk about this, who's going to, you know, I'm just going to deal with that. And now women are now forefront and center, but a bigger gender division is played against like, if a guy versus a woman goes to apply for a job, number one, that guy will assert himself of a point that he knows he can't do on the application form mm. more than a woman. Yeah. Then once that guy gets that job or is currently in that job, right, he will push for that pay rise. He's more invested in knowing what he's worth, what value he brings to the company, even if he don't bring no value at all, let's be serious. He is more poised in a position to ask for those things than a woman. And you know why? Because I've been that person. Yeah. I've been the person who's been too scared to be like, mm, maybe I should just ask for this a little bit more because I know I deserve it. So it's knowing your worth, assessing that financially in terms of knowing the economic value you bring to where you're at, right? The personal value you bring to the, the place where you work at and not being afraid to know your worth and ask for what you deserve. Completely. I found that is, that's a stickling point within, within women in industries. Because you know homeboys getting paid twice as much as you. Of we could, we could reel off statistical evidence that proves that. That is, you know, and don't quote me on this, you know, women make 70p for every pound that a guy makes and all these things. But it's because we're not, we're not talking about this. We're still, you know, approaching it with a, mm, should I, mm, I, I don't know if I should. How does that think about me? Ask that question. Listen, if you oh, have been working, if you've been working in the same job for a few years and you have, if you're not reassessing your salary every year, every six months to a year, then I don't know what you're doing. I don't no, know what you're doing. And listen, my rent goes up every year. So listen, my as do my living costs, as does everything else. So my salary better do, you know? So this is the thing. You've got to have the uncomfortable conversation. You've there's got to do things it. changing around us out of our control. Rent's increasing, you know, tax, phone bills. All the, all the things around us are changing with no fucks given to whether we can afford them or not. Mm -hmm. So we need to kind of like understand and make sure that we are affording them. You know, that we are putting ourselves in a position to 
to not so much scrape monster mark, but have a little bit of, of comfort on the side to enjoy the luxuries that you want in life and to save. And it starts through having that conversation. I think someone once told me, you know, shit, write down the value you bring to a place, you know? Really write down the value you bring to a place. Because then when my man, your boss, wants to be saying, uh, you know, we can't accommodate that in the budget. Well, you can't accommodate how I've done this, how I've done that, how I've done this and how I've done that, you know? Or am I going to start working less time for this less money you're giving me? And I, I honestly, I say these conversations aren't easy, but the more we have them, the more, the more we change the nature in which we talk about money, in which we know our worth, in which we're prepared to actually sit across the table and someone to be like, this is not right. You can't undercut me like that. Not anymore. You know? And I think it's really interesting what I've learned more by experience is being that person who, you know, coming straight out of uni, any salary was a good salary, mate. I tell you, how many figures? Listen, if yeah. you, oh, I got gassed. I got gassed off of it. I'm yeah. not going to lie. Any salary was a good salary. But then you go into thinking like, all right, six months now. Well, okay. Uh, if I'm going to move out, can I move out on this? Can I really live on this? What can I, what can I do with this? Um, and it's something, you know, I'll be the first person to say, like, props to my family. Like, I lived at home for the past two years. So that was also a, a big bedrock in me being like, you know, I can't afford to save. I can't afford to do things. But now moving out of home and doing this all on my own, I'm more conscientious about my money. Of right. Course, yeah. About how I'm progressing, how things I need to put money aside for, things I need to save, and how I'm going to freaking live. You know? It's... Whew, when you think of it, it's lit. It's, it's a whirlwind of things around you, and we're in the center. But I'm understanding you don't actually need to struggle with it, you know. So I don't know about you, Banks, but do you, do you, I mean, shit, you save, you put well, stuff aside, girl. Are we, are we are we saving for that proverbial rainy day? As 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 my mum always reminds me. Girl, let me tell don't you. Don't be wet without an umbrella, girl. Don't be wet without an umbrella. My um, I'm very proud to say. I just uh, put this uh, status up on Facebook just a couple of weeks ago. <clears throat> For the very first time, I have put money in a savings account. And yes, I am old to be starting that. But this is literally the first time in my life I've been able to afford to do that and to think about it. But thinking back, should I, even when I had no money, I should have been putting 1% and nothing away. You know what I'm saying? Like I should have been trying, if I could do it over again, through Massively. my 20s when I had nothing, I would have tried to put away £10 here, £10 there, wherever I could, so that I wouldn't be left with nothing. I read a really good article recently called um, The Fuck Off Fund, <laughs> which um, I encourage everybody to Google that, especially women, um, which basically is essentially what you were saying, kind of the rainy day thing. Listen, life can throw any kind of curveball at you and all of a sudden, you know, so for example... What if tomorrow my laptop just blew up? To, just listen, touching everything right now, hoping that it doesn't. But what if my laptop blew up? What am I, am I, do I have a spare grand to just go and get a new one? Because I can't work with that one. So you've got to think ahead and start thinking of these things and be prepared for them. And so I literally have just a couple of weeks ago started saving. And I think I've been reading up on um, kind of how to start doing that, essentially. And... It comes down to having um, goals, but also a figure. So, mm. you know, 
it's cool to just start stashing money away, but have like, what is your actual goal with that? You know what I mean? Is the goal to buy a house, which also just quick side note for everybody who thinks that that's the ultimate thing to have. That's the ultimate quote unquote investment. I would rethink that. That's Mm. all I'm going to say on that. I would do some reading and I would rethink that because that is not the only type of investment or wealth or whatever that there is. In fact, it's actually kind of a dodgy investment to have from everything I read. Um, It's never been a desire of mine to own a property. Um, I don't see what the big whoop is about. Um, And there are plenty of positives to not owning also. So if that's your primary thing in life is to just own a house, like cool, but also rethink it, I would say, or look at Interesting, because I come at it from a different angle to you. I am that one that wants a house. Okay. I am that one that wants a house. I think more, (laughs) I want to buy my mum a house. You know, that's always the dream. Yeah. But um, just thinking of, is that... Is buying property always, to me, in my head, is that will be something you could call your own forever, you know? So for me, that's more of an investment. Is it a wise one? I don't know. I'd probably have to do some more research. But I've always found is that if I can afford that and invest in that, then I, people after me, the people after me after I'm gone, should never have to worry about a place to lay their head again. And I think for me, that comes from my grandparents, you know, like typical Windrush West Indians who came over, worked all hours God sends, got their house, built their house back in the West Indies, got their house here and left it for us to always have a place to go. So that's, I think, and I think it's interesting in thinking about that, talking about that out loud, like where your values of money do actually come from and where the things that you want to invest on or obtain to really come from. And I think checking in on that on yourself and understanding that, you know, what, what am I chasing here at the end? And where does that stem from within me? Like, I don't care. Like if you're, if your sole goal is to, to save, to buy that car, save to buy that car. If it's to buy that house, buy that house if it's a ball out ball out like no shame no 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 shame here given but I think it's interesting to understand within you where that seed has been planted or Mm. where it hasn't been planted to be smarter to be conscientious and to start saving for something I think what I take away is save for fucking something you know I think when you started had had talking right there it was being extremely realistic with what you can I, I'm the worst. I used to get paid, be like, I'm going to put three quarters of it away Yeah. next week. I'm going to take three quarters of it. <laughs> like, it's, it, it's like a seesaw. It didn't work. It didn't work. I think be really realistic of what you can put away, you know? So for me, like, a, a, a trick I've started to implement is I, in my head, think I make less than I do. Yeah. So I'm already working, is it off a surplus or something? But like when, when it comes in, I'm like, I, I don't even have that to spend. That's not a number for me to even consider or think about. Yeah. You know, um, countless amount of time spent with the calculator and on the map, just like, okay, divide that by that. Where's that going? Where's that going? You know, things like that. And I think it's, 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 it's little obtainable things that you can do. If you confront yourself with your finances, and then I think you start being more confident to talking to other people about it. Like, yo, what do you do? You know, like I said, no, no amount is too big or no amount is too small. It has to be realistic to you. It has to be realistic 
to you. It has to be realistic what you're saving for, what you want it for, and it has to be realistic and manageable to you. Absolutely. And I think um, I just want to talk to all the people who have no money right now because you are my people and I understand you. Um, My mentor, when I started working with him, said something really powerful to me, um, knowing that I had no money um, and said, you know, right now, every penny you have, whenever you get paid from something, especially as a freelancer, goes towards your survival. You're just surviving. And he said, we want to take you from surviving to thriving. Mm. And I think when you're poor and your relationship with money is really strained, there's also kind of a guilt thing attached to money, um, to, to getting it, obtaining it, to liking it, to wanting it. There's kind of a guilt associated with that. Um, and so to people who are really struggling right now, I want you to imagine yourself thriving. And that's something that I've really been working on over the past year of actually just being okay with that. That that's actually okay for me to want that for myself and I don't have to feel guilty about it. Um, and to start putting money away and to step back from materialism. Yeah. And um I don't need things. I don't need more things. Um you know, I'm trying to establish wealth and security for myself and for my family, for my parents, essentially. Um, so I'm trying to think on a larger scale. So, you know, sure, I'm not saying I'm not going to buy the occasional new piece of clothing or whatever, but material possessions have never really been that important to me, to be to be honest. Um, and I find it quite a turn off in other people when it's a really big thing for them. But um, I think it's just about, listen, start small, save whatever you can. If that's 20 quid a month, so be it. Do it. Talk with your friends about it. Start a savings club where it's a mm-hmm. thing where you check in with each other. Like, listen, we're both going to put 50 pounds away every month. Check in with your friend, call her, text her. Did you do it? Oh, I just put mine in my, you know what I mean? Like having that conversation and being open about it we need to look out for each other more, you know, and kind of check each other. We're all trying to grow and progress and, you know, do great things in our lives. And being responsible with our money is one of those things. And as I said, given that, you know, our generation didn't really have that education on it. I mean, perhaps you came up in a household where it was really a massive priority for you, in which case that's awesome. Um, I yeah, but I'm that child that still didn't listen. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> yeah, whatever, mom. Yeah, oh, saving. Oh, dead, isn't it? Boring. Yeah. It yeah. does because it's not real until you actually have to live it, right? Until, you know? until you're looking at the bank statement, until yeah. the phone's blowing up and all these things. I think for me, consistently being, and like, I, I'd be honest, there's, there's, there's debt I can, I can control and there's debt that I, I can't control. So anything education related, off that I just slide that to the left like invoice me as you are student loans finance company invoice me continue to invoice me because I think I don't feel a guilt of carrying that as much of as much as like an overdraft I have or a phone bill I haven't paid yet you know or the rent I owe and that's and that's what in terms of being realistic you know but I think sorry for me it was Year on year on year, I was perpetually like, the fuck is going on with you, Labara? Like, why why do you why are you always broke? 
you know, and you yeah. shouldn't be. Yeah. And are you giving the air to the people around you that you're good? You know, yeah. I got this. You, how can you got this when you really ain't got it for yourself? Yeah. You know, so I think what I've started to do is just think not about me now, but think about me in the future. Yeah. So a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, whether it's a figure I draw in the sand or if it's something I want to get or obtain, like, can I actually do that? Am I starting uh, from a position of guilt and frustration and being upset with myself year on year? Or like you said, am I thriving? This time next year, are we like, I actually hit my goal. Like, yeah, I, I actually did it. And the year after that, I've done it again. And it's not easy. It's not easy. But I think I really started to think about the person or what... <laughs> fuck it, what I want my bank balance to look like by the end of this year and next year and in a couple of years' time. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Like, and I think that, for me, then becomes the larger goal. You know, it's putting what you can afford to put away to the side so you're not, you know, make sure you can eat people. Jesus. Yeah. You know, I've always said I will never let myself starve, especially in this city. Yeah. You know, make sure you can eat. Make sure you've handled all that you can need to handle. And I think for me, I always used to have this thought of like this big lofty figure that I need to save. But be me, be more realistic. Like that is still whatever that chunk is, whether it's put in, my pops does this. He puts two pounds in a jar, two pound coins. <gasps> my mum does that too. Two, two pound coins in a jar. Yeah. Like, and I think he's taught himself to devalue it as anything he needs mm. until he bloody well needs it. You know, quarters in a jar. What else you need to do? Like £100 here, £50 there. Does that money go there? It's the the steps that you take to get in it before you get into your stride. To then, yeah. you, then, then you're thriving. Um, and it's really, it's just, it's one of those things I, I often think, you know, God, I actually do think this. Like, this ain't no bullshit. Like, what would you have told yourself at 18 Lamara? This is the conversation I wish I had myself. I had with myself when I was 18. Yeah. And I'm not saying I never got it from people around me, but this is the conversation I wish I had with myself when I was 18. You need to be smart. Yeah. Retirement age is going up. The cost of living is going higher. Yeah. You're a person who likes to travel. What are you going to do to ensure that you're not robbing from Peter to pay Paul anymore? Yeah. Because real talk, I've been there. Yeah. You know? So yeah, there's 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 ways there's ways around it. Um there's ways around it in terms of saving smarter, being smarter with your money, figuring out what you're chasing and what you want, knowing your worth with shit. I think that's one of the biggest takeouts I think I'm getting from this. Knowing your worth with knowing your worth and I would say stop avoiding. Just you know, stop avoiding it. You can't bury your head in the sand you have to start taking steps as soon as possible to learn some shit, you know? It's big, it's scary. And listen, I can say this as someone who is just starting out on this journey myself, who is just kind of being like, listen, you know what? I'm going to seek out a financial advisor yeah. and get them to help me a little bit with, you know, I'm not playing with a whole ton of money here. My income isn't, you know, astronomical, but what can I do with it? realistically could I be putting more aside and how do I budget and all I have no idea I'm terrible with money so I'm just at the start of that journey where I'm going to be looking into that for myself and I think that's my main thing as someone who 
my entire life has been about avoiding this conversation and letting it make me feel really uncomfortable and awkward and guilty and all these, I have all these weird things about money and I'm just stripping back the layers of that and getting down to it and being like, actually, no, you're grown. You've got to take responsibility for your shit and get on it. So that's where I'm at. I think this is like a worthwhile conversation. I hope that for you guys listening, that it sparks something in you and that you're going to have some, a conversation with your friends or your family or whoever um, about it and just get that ball rolling somehow so that you're starting something for yourself also, some kind of be it savings or looking into an investment somewhere or whatever that thing is for you. I hope that this conversation is sparking something, a little fire in you to go and do it. Yes. I, t- I couldn't agree more. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Yay, money. Money. <laughs> <laughs> so, how are we going to end? We're going to end with our, is it our words to live by, Banks? Words to live by. Our words by. of wisdom. Yeah, what's you your first, words You first. You first. Oh, okay. First, so, this week, let me, I've got it on my phone. Hang on, I wrote it down. This week I went to, um, there was a TED Talk um, in Vancouver. I did not go to Vancouver. Um, but I went to... Um, Basically, they were beaming this TED Talk thing out to various Odeon cinemas throughout the world. And I went to one in London. Um, And there were some like really excellent speakers um, at this one. And I urge you all to look them up. But one of them was Shonda Rhimes, who... Queen of Shondaland. Sweet Jesus. Very inspiring talk. For those I caught of you my life who watching that. I caught my life watching that. I really urge everybody to go and look that up. Um, it's a really, really powerful talk. And um, I mean, there's, listen, basically every line of it was a quotable, let's be real. But um, this one in particular stood out to me. Um, she said, quote, if the song in my heart ceases to play, can I survive in the silence? End quote. Which, yeah, finger click to that, please. Get it, Shonda. Get it. Yeah, I think that's so powerful. Um, I will let you muse on that and make of it what you will, but I know that spoke to me in a lot of ways. So those are my words to live by this week. How about that, you? And that, that was a, a brilliant talk. Oh, a, absolutely. So freaking good. Also, she just, I mean, you can totally, when you watch it, you can totally tell that she's the one who writes Scandal and How to Make yeah. a Red Rock because it's yeah. like, she knows, um, she knows, how know, to get away with murder. Telling her stories around the campfire. Um, God, but just yeah. the way that, like, the cadence in the way that she speaks was 100% just her characters. You know what I mean? It was just so interesting Massively. to see And that. I think what was also really dope about that is, and when you see it, you could tell she's visibly nervous. But when yeah. you've got that story to tell, you'll yeah. tell that freaking story. Yeah, um, so good. Yeah, that was dope. I, I salute, I salute. My, my words of wisdom, my words of live, to live by this week um, come from my 86-year-old grandfather. I already know this is going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> now, this, is, this is tame compared to some of the stuff he does or doesn't say. Um, and it's fitting with our theme of fixing up your finances. It's something my granddad says to my dad and something my dad has always told me um, that I've really started to take heed. And my granddad says, make every pound a prisoner. He's continually said that for as long as I've known. He says, make every pound a prisoner. If you see it, hold it. Make every pound a prisoner. And I think that just drills into me, like in the notion of saving. Mm. Hold on to that shit, yeah. you know? Yeah. Don't, don't let it frivolously go away from you, you know? 
hold yes. on to it, grip it, make it a prisoner, make it work for you. So uh, my words of wisdom for a man who doesn't really say a lot in life, but when he does, <laughs> granddad comes out with bars. Yeah? Granddad comes out with the bars. Granddad to make does every, have bars. That's yeah. yeah. Make every pound a prisoner. I like so that's it. me, yo. That's me. All right, wicked. Well, people, we're go- we're gonna go, but this has been delightful. I mean, we we probably gonna continue the conversation yeah, after. Life, well, part of us have chewed your ears off long yeah. enough. Yeah. Um. So website coming soon, very soon. We promise. Rap, rap. Hopefully within the next um week or so. Um. In the meantime, you can get me at bangs and a bun on all of the social media channels. Going. Um. Where can they get you, Lamala? People can get me. At Lemel underscore P on Twitter. Yes, that's where you can find me and reach me until we get all our social media together. And guys, like, hashtag no BS guy to life. Tell us how you're saving. Tell us, like, you know, who you've told about what you want to aim to. Tell us any tips that you have. Share with us. Let's have a, let's have a conversation about this. Like, yeah. if we're talking about responsibility and whatever, like, building a community and, like, making sure we're checking in with our bridge and them, whether they're saving, consider us them people. Like, tell us how you're doing. Yes, thank you for all the feedback on last week's episode, by the way. We've got some really great comments and stuff from people. Um, so, yeah, make sure you chat to us on Twitter and stuff. We're very chatty. We like that. Um, and we like to keep the conversation going because that's basically what this is all about, being open and communicative and, and ting. And all of that, all of that good stuff. Wicked. All right, guys, we're out of Leota. Peace. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.